Yeah, I'm glad I yeah. thought to look at that. Yeah, I. It's usually. I. I guess I never think about when it pops up. Like I always think about it after <laughs> I start calling, and then I'm like, oh, I, I either see my call recorder and it's working, or or it's not. Well, um, I, so I just remember the one time during the podcast I I remembered to look after we've been recording for about 45 minutes. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is the wrong yeah. time to look. Right, but but it would it all it all kind of worked out because I think I w- was recording, or something. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh. It turned out, yeah, yeah, it didn't glitch on you that time. So anyway, oof. <clears throat> oh, there you go, there you go. So just in, in uh, full disclosure for all the listeners, the world of podcasting, which everybody has a podcast uh, apparently, according to the internet, is fraught with problems with a Skype and call recorder. That's uh, pretty much how it works everywhere, right? Well, so, well, but you know, um, it's it's interesting because there are increasingly there are alternatives, right? Um, right. Um, uh, what's it? I want to say Zootopia, but that's not right. Podtopia, Zoo, Zoocaster. Is that, there's some <laughs> there's some other there's, thing I've used <laughs> on Zoo- other, other podcasts. <laughs> I think the Podtopia Zoocaster, I think that was a U2 <laughs> tour back in the, in the 90s, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, dear. It's, it's, it's early dawn, but it's not that early. I can still make, I can still make jokes. It, it, this, it, I, I mentioned this to you before. I can't remember if I did this on the podcast or just outside of the podcast, but you're the only person I talk to early in the it, morning. You've mentioned this several, several times now. <laughs> yeah, so... Sorry, that's me sipping my sipping, my coffee. Yes. I, I yeah. So I tweeted something yesterday about coffee. You we've talked about coffee and my we, we talked with Andrew Clark about my coffee change and trying to make good coffee at home. And and I tweeted something yesterday. I don't know if you saw this this tweet that that has become the most. I, I just I just let something hang out there. And what I what I wrote was <laughs> was it a turkey neck? with no. It would look kind of like a turkey neck, hanging out a turkey neck. I, the tweet is, I did it, period. After 132 days at home and experimenting with multiple coffee setups, I finally made myself the perfect coffee. And then and then I didn't tell anybody what it was. <laughs> I got like 49, you know, 49 likes, which is a lot. My menchies were up, way up. And and people kept saying uh, picture, pictures or it didn't happen. Things like tell us more. What is what do you what do you mean? You can't just say you've made a good coffee. You you have to tell us what it is. So I started a, a tweet storm on on the on the drafts app, and mm. have not yet completed it because it's like like sixteen tweets long right now that that goes through my whole story. So anyway, look look for that coming out soon, and I'll give you the you know the the tweet will probably be out before we we post this episode. But it's uh, it's the setup that I told you about before with this Bodum pour over uh, round bottom flask Chemex oh. knockoff. Wait, yeah. we've this is this is old news, Ben. We've talked about this on I the know. podcast. But <laughs> like any good academic, Don, I'm just repackaging <laughs> the old news, <laughs> public, putting it out in different formats. I'm, I'm big on Twitter right now. Uh, well, yeah. Well, so but you, here's the for, thing that for, we have. First, you publish a publication. Yeah. Then you write a fact sheet. Then you make a workshop. Yeah, this is how we do it. Then you tweet. And then you tweet, then you tweet it. <laughs> then you make a podcast. Then you tweet it. <clears throat> um, so here, here's the part that I haven't told you about. It's it's about well, I might have said the the temperature. I've done a lot of research on this, Don. A lot of lot of research. A lot of lot of laboratory work here in my kitchen as well as on the internet. Two hundred and four degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature that I need to get the exact right flavor. Two hundred and four. Um, 
204. 204 not, in my not 205. Nope, nope. Not 203. Nope. And, and actually, let me go back. I don't know. 205 and 203 are not settings that I'm allowed to use on my gooseneck, <laughs> my gooseneck kettle. I can use 202, 204, oh. 206. Oh, okay. And okay, so, but all right. So, yeah, but, all right. So, right. you have tested, you have tested 202 and the, 206. Oh my gosh, Don. I've gone all the way down to 194. I've gone all the way up to 210. Wow. 204 is the sweet I've 132 days, Don. I've been doing a lot of work here. Every, <laughs> Wait, is this is this in a spreadsheet somewhere? <laughs> well, it is not. No, it is not wow. in a spreadsheet somewhere. Okay. Yeah. But so, but I but how do you know I, it's right? You know, then? I, how do I know it's right? I've I've every day I think about where it is on the scale. What did I do the day before? And then I've gone up and I've gone back and then I really settled in at 204. Nice. Yeah. So but the other thing is and this is the Oh I wait, guess so sorry part. Ben for for all of our oh. For all of our uh, non-American listeners, <laughs> you, yeah, you need yeah. to set your you need to set your water making device to ninety five point five 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 more fives more we need all the best all the great fives. So the other thing that that is key and so so there's temperature and then there's amount, right? And what, what I've found, and there, there are two, there's a, there's a ratio, right? It's, it's how, how many beans and how much water right, am I putting right, in? Right. So for ease, cause every morning I, I just, I don't want to measure, I don't get my, we have talked about this. Do you, you use a, you, you measure by weight, right? No, no, like, no, uh, I, I, I use a scoop. No? I, I, use, I use a scoop. Use a scoop. Okay. And I, I measure, I, I measure the water by volume and I have a set, a set ratio, which we talked about on the, on that episode. Right, right. Yep. Right. So, so now I, um, a, uh, I, I have a, uh, I, I don't measure by scoop, but I have this burr grinder, um, that we, we have talks to, we'll, I'll post this all in show notes and you'll see my tweet, but my thread with all the details, cause I'll link to all the Amazon products. Um, but I have this burr grinder that, that fits inside the AeroPress, right? Like it's a travel one. And if I fill that up with fresh beans to the top, that's the right amount of coffee. But the, that I need is, um, exactly so, so there are two lines on my kettle, uh, on, on the inside, there's a 1000 milliliter. So this is for our, um, you know, for our folks, uh, not in the U S one, one liter, and then there's 500 and, and I'm, I'm, I want 750 mils. That is, I'm directly in the middle. So I have, um, done this in a couple of different ways. I'm getting, I, I feel like I'm on it now. I know where that middle line is, even though it doesn't exist. Like where, you know, I can, I can look, but I did use, um, a measuring cup. Uh, to see different, you know, different amounts. I wanted to see if 650 was. So anyway, 750. So it's it's actually fairly easy for my. I don't have to re scoop till it's full in the um in the in the burr grinder, grind it all. Um, I have uh the grind that I use because it's uh you know there's a little like dial on it. Um, it's not a dial. It's like a it's like a little wheel, and and you can the tighter the wheel the the more the finer the grind. Mm, yeah, well, I do too, it as too. tight yeah. as it can go. Yeah. Oh, 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 as tight as I can go. All the way over. Okay. But, but no, and then it's a quarter turn back. back. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So, I've, so I got it. I mean, I, I've nailed, I've nailed it. I've now done this six days in a row and I've had the exact coffee that I want every nice. day. Nice. So, yesterday was day five. So, I figured five replicates in <laughs> temperature, 
right? I, I hit exactly what I what I wanted five days in a row, and I'm like, I'm gonna release the I'm, I'm gonna release how long, what I'm doing here. Oh, because so, now it's anyway, perfected. Like you were, you were. So this is uh, this is amazing. This was this was back in June, in the episode two twelve with Andrew, called Air Bunnies, where we first talked about this. So so since then, so you had the you had the method, <clears throat> but you didn't hadn't refined the method. Exactly, and 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 actually, I'll go back to it was mid May, so it, right. so it took me a month, right. you know, or, or a, a couple of months of experimenting with a couple other things that I had to try to find what I, what I like the best, including an AeroPress, which, which I, and this is going to be all covered in, in this, in this tweet thread, but our friend, Kenji J, I'll, I'll, I'll pick your Kenji, thing of Ali G. Ali, <laughs> Buya Kasha. Ken, uh, Kenji, our friend Kenji responded to my tweet with, in, in only the way that Kenji can. And he just, he, he said, I said, I, I found my, fir, my perf, the perfect way to do this. And uh, it, it, let me find exactly what he said, because he, he said, oh, maybe it wasn't Kenji. It was someone named Jay. Ali <laughs> Jay. It was Ali <laughs> Jay. And now uh, it was Brett Terpstra as well. Oh. Who, who also, anyway, so this is, yeah, so this is what I got from Jay when I thought it was Kenji, but it was a guy named Jay <laughs> or, or a woman named Jay that said, AeroPress, no milk, Ethiopia, Rocco Mountain, natural Ooh. processed coffee beans, Damn. light roast, which is good, <clears throat> but but what we're missing here is give me the temperature and how much. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like that, that's, that's those, that, those that's details matter. Yes. Yeah. So, so anyway, and then, and then Brett Terpstra uh, said, uh, do tell. <laughs> yes, he does. Yep. And, yes, he does. A man of few words, but they're good yep. words. They are. And uh, then his other responses light roast is highly underrated. So, I, I, you know, I, pe- pe- the, the coffee snobs, I have to I per- permit me to rant a minute. The coffee snobs. <clears throat> Like people like Marco, who doesn't listen to the show, really are love to bash on Starbucks and they love to bash on dark roast. And I'm sorry, I like dark roast coffee. I put uh, a sweetener in it. I put milk in it. I know that that makes the coffee purists angry, but I have tried light roast coffee. I do not like light roast coffee. I like dark roast coffee with sweetener and with milk. So there you go. Yeah, do you do you. Exactly. I, I'm exactly. not here to... I'm not here to tell you you should do anything different than you. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> don't, uh, don't 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 yuck on my yum, as Merlin likes right. to say. <laughs> exactly, and and on the day that that Taylor Swift drops a new album, surprisingly, <laughs> I think that's that would it's probably one of her songs. Is you do you do your coffee the way you do it? So I I'm I'm a I'm a dark roast I'm a dark roast guy. I'm a no milk no sweetener guy. Hmm. Um, but the dark this, roast. But it, but a dark roast. Have you tried? And, well, have and, you, so what? Let's 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 yuck on the the light roast yum here for a minute. Have you tried light roast coffee? Do you, I, I have, mm-hmm. and and here's where I do like a light roast. In if I go to if I'm going to a restaurant or cafe, right, a restaurant that's got coffee that, that all the coffee snobs have, mm-hmm. and someone's gonna so so someone's gonna really take care with a pour over. It, it's you know just a a very like you know my I, I've got. With my with my 750 mils, that that is three you know pours, right? It it goes, I you know, but but in a in a cafe, it's it's a little more like I don't know nuance. People are they're 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 even they're doing stuff more than I am here. They're measuring, they're using the thermometers, but they're down to like weighing by grams, and they're there they're babying that coffee. A light roast in a pour over is is delightful. It's fruity. It's it's not. It's but it's a different experience than what I want. First thing in the morning, and what I want, every, and this is this is where my 
like coffee drinking palate has changed. What I really want first first thing in the morning is what like you want? Punch, what, you, what you really really want. What I want. Um, what I want is a. I want a punch in the face coffee. I Ooh, want something. Damn. Yeah, like I want exactly. I want something that's gonna that, that's that is just full of caffeine, but also gives me a like a taste of flavor to make sure I know wake, that wake I don't have COVID. Wake up my mouth. Want to make sure I don't have COVID nineteen. <laughs> I want you know every day. Take I don't a good wanna, snip. I, yeah. They got, mm, oh, there we go. A little snip. Little taste. Yep. I've got those two senses. We're good. I'm not. I'm not in a. I'm not 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 sick yet. <laughs> yet. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Opt- yeah. Optimistic take there. Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, okay. So, because uh, we, we're going to talk about food safety and COVID 19, because mm-hmm. we, that's, that's what we talk about. It's what we do uh, a lot of stuff right now. I had a conversation with one of my kids last night about, you know, 4 million cases in the US. Mm. And my, my kid who's in going into sixth grade, who's, uh, I, w- I would say, not a, um, like he's not a statistician. He's not a, not a math, <laughs> not a math scientist. Uh-huh. He goes, all right. So that's like, you know, more, you know, it's like one in a hundred people in the U.S. have it. No. I was, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's right. That is. And he goes, it's kind of a lot, you know. Yeah. I, I know a hundred people. Yeah, like, exactly. Right, right, exactly. right. So now, so anyway, we're, you know, I, 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 I do, you know, that, 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 that conversation, you know, obviously makes me think, uh, yeah, because at some point I think I'm, I, you know, well, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. There's, it's just, there's a number, there's a, there's a numbers game, right? There's going to be lots of lots of this uh, virus coming at me from lots of different areas. Well, especially uh, where you live. Whew. Yeah. Oh gosh. Oh. Uh, schools are not going back in in person. Oh really? Is that official? Yep. Yeah, it's official. At least my our schools, mm. the schools that my kids not 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 yet. They're they're looking at you know because everything's the theater of of projecting time in the future and what's going to happen. They're projecting that they will go back in September sometime. Oh oh, but 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 normally they would be going back before then. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. Because yes. it's. Cause it's yeah, you have it's we've discussed it. Well, yeah. it's the South, but also it's this weird school year thing that you right. guys do down there in 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 the place where you live, where it's it's kind of good actually, I think, in a lot of ways, but but kind of weird. It's not like the school ends in in June and starts in September. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We I got, I got one kid who starts uh, the week after next. He goes back on the on the third the third of August. Oh, but back online. Back online, back online. Yep, and 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 that that truthfully is the way. So that that's the way we're treating this. I've been I've been trying to read lots of ways. Like we didn't have a great, I didn't have a great outlook on online learning in the in the spring. And for 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 I mean a myriad of reasons. One one is and and you know Danny and I are in a in a position where we're both home and we we right. have really flexible jobs to to help manage you know having kids at home. But it it is really like. A lot of, you know, I don't know, time and attention to make sure that your kids are on track, you know, where they are in their lessons, know how to log in, what class they need to go to, what are their responsibilities for making sure that they get things done. And and there's not a lot of and I mean, this is where where we were in the fall. It was kind of like or not in the fall, in the spring, everything moved really quickly. And and we did not. It's not that we didn't take it seriously. It was more of an, an approach trying to like we we kind of arrived at something with our kids where it was like we're not going to fight too much about this because if it if, if they if if they struggle and we're yelling at them to sit down in front of their computer to do their work, no one's going to enjoy th- anything. Like we're already in a in a situation where everybody's at home and we don't want to add that extra layer of chaos on top of 
what we're doing. So we kind of, we, we went through this, like, here are the things that we, you're responsible for. We are here to help you, but we're not going to handhold you through this. And if you get it done, awesome. If you don't get it done, well, everybody's stuck in this situation, right? And so it wasn't, we didn't, we didn't treat it like some of our friends and, and some of the, some of my, my kids classmates, because I, you know, it was, it was already a tough sell for, for the kids. Right. And, and I kind of felt like, well, we're going to be here for a while. Everyone's in this same situation. It's not going to have my kids fall behind and they're not going to, you know, become what they want to when they, when they get old because, or older, because, you know, I, I failed them in this, like sitting them down in front of the Chrome, you know, their, the Chromebook from their school for, uh, to do their work. So, but the fall's a little bit different, right? So now we're starting new. Now we've got a, a strategy. The, at least the the school system has a strategy. They, they, so I'm I'm much more bought in. So we really are looking at like August third. Sam goes back to school in air quotes. But so so we're we're gonna spend a little more time because it's not like a a stopgap. Like this is going to be what his, what his life is like. So we got to figure out a, the best way to manage this as we go forward. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so, so let yeah. me, let me see if I can I paraphrase and, and, <clears throat> and get it. So when the, when the pandemic was raging in the spring, you're like, well, the school year's winding down, you know, we're just, we're not going to put a lot of pressure on. We're all figuring out the new normal. Let's just, let's just, we'll just, we'll just do it. Right. And now it's the fall and you're like, okay, we're here for the foreseeable future. So it's not, we're not just going to coast. We're really going to put some guardrails up. We're going to, you know, figure out what we have to do because this is this, your kids could theoretically be going to school like this for a year. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you nailed it. And, 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 it wasn't that we didn't take it serious before. It's just we were like we were all trying to figure it out. And and that was one extra stress that we didn't want to add to our our family you know, situation. Right. Well, like, and, and honestly, when when this whole thing was starting in the spring, I think there were a lot of people, maybe maybe me included and maybe you included that thought, well, you know, but we'll we'll get this figured out by the end of the summer and it'll be fine right. and the fall's going to be fine. And that and that's been part of the big uncertainty with universities opening back up. Right. And everything else is like, well, you know, we kind of we cut the timing was good. We could just sort of coast into summer. And then and then someday, Ben, I heard the virus is just going to go away. And, and I don't I don't think that happened. I don't know who what it was that said that, but I think they might have been wrong. Yeah, it hasn't hasn't. We're still waiting. So yeah, on that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I, I think that's that's exactly it. Right. Like I I I, I, ne I never looked at March through, you know, May as this will make or break my my kids schooling. Right. Um, and but, still, but, but, and, but the fall of 2020 well, and the spring of 2021, that's could If it's that long, that's a year, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's not, and I, I still don't think it's going to make, make or break, or break right. their, their, right. their lives. But I, but I want to put a different, like we've figured out our system here, right? Like, like I come up and hang out in my office. I talk to you. <laughs> so I, I, we, I sit on zoom meetings every, you know, we kind of got the, the, you know, I'm, I, I need everybody to be quiet cause I'm doing, you're recording something figured out. We've got meals figured out. Right. We've got, you know, like that, that whole thing. I think we, it, it took some time. And so this is something that I think we're right. We're more ready now to add on and figure out and, right. and the, and the schools are too, right? right. Like it's not, you know, I, I, I had no, we, I work with, with teachers all, you know, all the time mm -hmm. in the school system all the time. And, and it was, they were put in impossible position and no one thought like, 
you know, I, I feel so, so badly for, for the teachers who, who really tried to do a good job at this because they're, they're just up against, you know, so much in, in just like technology issues and timing issues and, you know, people like us who are on Zooms and doing other things and not able to to sort of match through what what their kids are doing. And now it's like I guess now it's a little bit different or as we get into the fall, like I, we we could I, I I feel like I have way more control over my schedule than I than I did for lots of reasons. So it's like, hey, I'm I need to sit with my kid for like 45 minutes right now. So I got to go do this thing. Right. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Right. Like, and, and, and I think that there's a, a at least a silent understanding or like a, an aha mm -hmm, uh, kind of thing when, when you say that to kids and or not to kids, to, to other people, especially those that, that have kids, but even those that, that don't. And so, yeah, so we're, we'll, we'll attack this in a sort of a different way in the, in the fall. So yeah, one kid goes, goes back on, on August 3rd, the hardest part for us is going to be that my second kid doesn't go back until August 17th. And so I got one kid who is sitting in, you know, in our, in, in our, you know, in a room that has a, a desk where we're, you know, downstairs in our house, he's going to be doing schoolwork and the other kid's going to be out like, you know, shooting pucks in the driveway. And so it'll be much easier come August 17th when both kids have the same kind of schedule. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get that. Yeah. And well, and hopefully they'll sort of wrestled with this before because they, they've been on different school schedules before. It's just right. not, not in the same house, right? It's one, exactly. one went away to school and the other shot pucks at home. And it was way easier to send the other one away to school where he couldn't see the, his brother shooting, pucks. not doing yes. schoolwork. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I mean, they, so, I mean, they're, you know, they're kids, but still they get the idea. It's like, well, yeah. but I mean, and it's a they're a little bit, they're a little bit like dogs and I got another yes. dog, dog analogy in a moment because dogs are always well, in the moment. Right. But but it's just like, well, you could, but you could understand you're, you've, you got to the point, I forget what that, what that stage of development is, but it's like, you understand, like, because of what is going on right now, like you understand that you're in school and your brother's not, but then in the future, it's going to be reversed as well. Right, right. And, and it's hard, you know, as they get older, it's easier to say, just wait, you're going to have your time. Yeah. <laughs> when they, yeah. So, so anyway, that's yeah, that's kind of where 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 things are at here at the at the Chapman household. Other other news, I've shared I shared this with you because you and I had a had a lovely social FaceTime with a friend and uh, you know listener of the show Dane. Um, I, uh, I I purchased a, a golf cart to to join. Uh, <laughs> oh the yeah, is the this is this the first mafia. time we're mentioning golf carts on the podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. no, this was okay. I, I I see I've been I've been researching this for a while. Um, and I mentioned what we have mentioned in the past on the podcast is um, I was looking for an elect electric bike, which I still am. And I think I'm but but I'm waiting on that to because I really want an electric bike so I can ride to campus, which I'm not going to go to campus. Right. So so that that's not as urgent. So um, but I did buy a golf cart. So so and tell me tell me for the for the listeners of the show, what what kind of golf cart did you get? An easy go golf cart. It's a 2013 um, it has a 48 volt, uh, it's an electric, uh, electric motor, 48 volt. Um, it, uh, it has lights, uh, and, uh, and a horn, which is it loud and obnoxious. Um, and, uh, uh, I guess that's what, and, and for uh, a seat on the back for my, for my, and we, we use it, um, to go back and forth to the pool that I talked about that's that's uh, mm -hmm. miles away from it in, in the neighborhood. Uh, and it's about a two mile walk. 
uh, or or bike ride. Um, and then uh, also we've uh, we've now taken it a couple of times to go gripping because we we live very close to a grocery store that I can drive off roads and don't have to ca- cross any major and and go to the grocery store. And it's we like this is one of those purchases. Um, is that it, it's like we never have really like bought like a toy, right? Like mm. this is this is a frivolous expense. Mm. Um, and uh, and Danny Danny's been doing uh, a bunch of work, and she's like, you know, I think the kids would really like. You know, we have a neighbor that has one. There's a whole bunch in our neighborhood. Kids would like this. You know, it's it's kind of part of the event of of drive. You know, going around the neighborhood, and we're stuck here. So why don't we do this? Yeah. And we're not going well, on vacations. It, yeah, as you explain. On our on our FaceTime call, it's like you you would normally be going on vacation, which would take some money, and so now you're not doing that vacation, and so you've got you need you need to find a way to make a vacation at home. And that's yeah, what, right. It's right there in the marketing materials, golf carts. They're like a vacation at home. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's totally totally true, and and it's it's like so. What we've been doing is at night we'll we have dinner, and then we we all get around. Yeah, we do. We're like we're we're like uh, old old people in the villages in Florida, except with less racism. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 we we get we get on our we get on our golf cart and we go you know wave at wave at our neighbors, and the dog gets on and he has a little nap because he's not he's like this is great, and then he's like ah I'm on someone's lap, I'm gonna fall asleep. And, and the kids drive and, and we, you know, uh, we give them some, some instructions like I, I, you know, but it's, it's kind of like we, we have now, we've now driven the golf cart on every cul-de-sac, every road in our neighborhood. Right. And, and so we've, we've gone to places we've never even seen before. Oh, wow. It's It's just exploring. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of been cool. So, so, so we'll do that. And, and, and who, you know, this, it's also, so we, I purchased it on, on, on Facebook marketplace, which is just, a, just a wonderful place to see all, all different types of things, um, including, oh, I didn't take a screenshot of this, but there was something on Facebook marketplace the other day, which was just a bunch of, of pictures of people's teeth. And I thought, <laughs> are you selling, are you selling teeth? And, and no. And in fact, what it was, and this is this, the, like the, it was a shot, a bunch of shocking pictures of teeth that were broken and then, and, and everything was in Spanish. And then I looked at the translation and and this is like, like, I guess a, a, you know, a, a much larger social issue, but it was, you know, come to some, come to my house and I'll be your dentist for reduced costs, which is, which made me like really sad, right? Like it was a, a very, you know, the, the, the fallout from it was like, who, man, I don't, I, you know, I never really thought about how do people go to the dentist if they don't have, you know, insurance for it. And here it is. You find someone on, on Facebook marketplace that has pictures of teeth. That doesn't seem even legal. Oh, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure. Yeah. But you can find lots of things. I'm just looking right now, Don, the WWE Hulk Hogan winged Eagle championship uh, belt. If you want that, you can get a, a Babe Ruth, New York Yankees custom starting lineup figure. You get an Anthony Fauci bobblehead? That's what oh, I, I really want. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So anyway, Facebook Marketplace is, is an interesting place, but that's where we got the the golf cart. So so yeah, those are those are the things that are going on going on here. Um, what do you got? What do you got going on? Well, I was going to say let word. I'm trying to find uh, my my dogs are not to school. <laughs> they've been, they've <laughs> been banned from school. They've been banned from the dog park. But I've been I banned them from the dog park. No, but we've been trying to figure out what our new normal is and excuse me 
and trying to figure out, you know, uh, time to play with the dogs because we're here all the time, but I'm, like I've got work to do and stuff. So, yeah, so that's that's about it, really. I'm just enjoying um, not um, going anywhere. Honestly, it's 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 really it's really pretty good. And my schedule, uh, knock wood here, literally knocking wood. My my schedule has calmed down, and I'm in a groove in terms of work and getting stuff done. So I'm my OmniFocus again. I really don't want to jinx it, Ben, but my OmniFocus is looking better than it has looked in a long, long time. So yeah, I'm, I'm really quite, quite in the groove as the kids say. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I shared with you on, on Friday that I re- responded to review comments on a paper that's been hanging over my head for a long time. And it was one of these like mental blocks because there was a lot of work to be done on the review. Like the, the paper was way too long and it was kind of convoluted. There was a lot of things going on and it needed it needed care and time for me to to write it clearly like that great quote, which I think is attributed to Winston Churchill, but it turns out that it wasn't him that said it. Like I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. Have time. Yep. Yes. And so I needed that. I needed that time. And I, I finally dedicated a bunch of time to it over the last uh, few weeks and, and got it done. And this is the best part like about it. Right. Like so. So it's been there was a relief because I did it just as I was starting to talk with you and I felt like, Oh, I'm on now I'm on vacation. I got, I'm getting a golf cart tomorrow. I got this paper done. That's been like sitting and and just weighing on me for quite some time and, and it's out the door. And then, so that was Friday. And then on, on Tuesday, I got a, got a note from the editor saying accepted. Great job. Thanks for responding to the reviewer comments. So excellent. Yeah. So I put a ton of work into it. Uh, but but it's I feel the same way that, that you just said. I'm, I'm I continue to go through my list of these things that have been out there for a long time that that has never like I know that they're that they're important and I want to get to them. But there's there's always the daily stuff that that pops in to take take away from that. And I've been checking through those those like my boxes of things that have just been out there for for quite some time. And whittling that that over list, overwhelming list down a little bit. And I got up this morning and started working on another paper that has been sitting here for a while that was from a, a student who graduated last last fall. So it's like, oh, I, this one I need to I need to get it out. Like it's it's here. It's it's not too far away. Let me just spend the you know it's it's easier to. I, I think there's more. There are bigger chunks in my day than there right. were earlier, and to to really get into things. Right. And you can, you can write a paper 15 minutes at a time. I wouldn't recommend it. Right. I would right, recommend right. An, an hour or two, you know, every day, or even a couple of blocks of an hour or two every day, if you've got the time, because that's how you're really going to you get, you get, I mean, and I'm, you, I'm pretty good at task switching, but it's, you know, it, it it's more efficient if you, if you can spend those longer blocks of time for sure. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, we, I, I didn't, we, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but I mean, you, you worked at home, uh, quite, you know, quite a bit, right? Like mm-hmm. you would go in. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I worked at home, not maybe as much, but I tried to, I tried to at least get like a day and a half or so here where I wasn't, wasn't leaving, but the amount of time that I'm not spending in the car going to and from campus, plus not picking kids up and dropping them off and taking them to, to you know, uh, school and, and sports related functions, it's not an insignificant amount of time. Like it's, it, it's probably like eight hours a week or, or something, you know, like it's, it, yeah. it's, a, yeah, yeah. so, so that, that, that has, 
given me a lot more time to spend those instead of 15 minutes hours, you know, at a time on things. Yeah. Which is really kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I, if I was, if I went into work every day, that would be basically an hour and a half a day, 45 minutes each way to and from work. Now in, in, in other times I would spend that time listening to podcasts, which is not wasted time, but, but it's certainly, you can't write a, it'd be difficult to write a paper. You could, I mean, (laughs) I I tell you, man, I have, I've been doing so much, you know, it's really weird. Like the, I've been doing, I do a lot of dictation of stuff to, with, with Siri and to drafts, but for whatever reason, the, if I'm on my treadmill in my office, I can use a microphone, I can use my laptop microphone, I can use my desktop monitor microphone. None of those work as well as holding my phone up to my mouth. And so I put my phone up to my mouth, I dictate into drafts on my phone, I give it a second or two and it syncs and it's over there on drafts on my computer and I cut and paste. So if I've, if I've got long form or even short form writing to do and I'm on my treadmill, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm doing it, which is, again, it's, I wish I could do it better on my computer without that right. in, intermediate step. But you know what? I can hold my phone up to my mouth while I, while I walk and talk. I, that's, I, don't, I don't mind that. It's actually more efficient because there's fewer errors and it's just, it's just yeah, and I don't know, I don't know if it's that the microphones are better. I don't know. I don't know if there's like special sauce on the phone that's helping with that. But anyway, it's, it, and it's, it's not too bad if, if I'm standing and it's quiet in my office, then I can, I can dictate into the computer directly, but it's still always better on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I find the same thing. I, Every once in a while, so you know, I I'll, I run around my neighborhood and used to run around trails, but I take just my watch and you know I'll be listening to a podcast or I'll think about something and I'll you know try to throw it into drafts just like with the with voice and it and it works like eighty percent of the time perfectly mm-hmm. with my you know AirPods and my and my watch, but but it is like ninety nine percent with my phone. No, and, interesting. And, and I, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm with I'm with you. It's the same same kind of thing. Um. So, so I did I'm trying to think, so there's a few things that I wanted to, mm-hmm. to like run, run by you or sure. talk to you about. Sure. So um, one, one thing yeah. led before we do that, just, and I, yeah, there's a couple food safety things I want to talk to you about before we do that. I just want to mention on the last episode, um, I talked about that I had been a guest on, uh, uncle Weepy's depression dungeon podcast right. and the episode yes. posted. So, uh, Jeremy got back from scout camp, uh, which we actually talked about on the podcast and the episode is posted. And we will link to it in the show notes. It is episode 116 of Uncle Weepy's Depression Dungeon entitled A More Inclusive Critter. And so we we nerd out about food safety. And then Jeremy and I spent some time nerding out about scouting and various aspects of the scouting program since he was going away to scout camp. And anyway... Brought back some awesome. nice memories for me. So, so anyway, I would, if people are interested, uh, it's it's not it's not a, it's no food safety talk. I mean, it's not it's not an right. hour, two hours of blathering. It's a tight forty five minutes, uh, forty seven minutes and fifty three seconds. But it's but it's nice there and there and there. It's 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 a it's a fun podcast, and I, I thank them again for having me as a guest. Cool, cool, cool. I will link to that in, in show notes, and I'll check that out. I so that actually leads into one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about. So I mentioned that I made this this other podcast that that is gonna some somehow launched this fall and I'm going to try and do some more of these. Um, I have, you have not shared this with you yet, but I'm going to send you some to, or no, maybe, but not the really produced one. Nope. I don't oh. think so. None of it. Okay. Well, I'll send you something okay, uh, cool. to, to listen to. Um, uh, but a- anyways, for, it was for this class called, um, cause it's gotta be very on brand. It's NC state. Right. And we're the wolf pack. Is that <laughs> I just want, want you to be clear that, that <sighs> then this is, so here's the, here's the name of the class. Okay. Wicked problems. Wolf pack solutions. 
Okay. Right? I, I think I think we're going to have to workshop that a little bit, but okay. No, that's the name of my podcast. Oh, that's, that's the name, the name of your name class. Of the course. That's the name of the okay. course. So the course that – so and there's like 31 instructors. This class was incoming NC State students, and it was also available to parents. So, so it was like, here's the th- types of things that we do at NC State, which was kind of a cool concept. Mm. And I, my, my mind was around food safety. The, the wicked problem, spoiler alert, it was COVID-19. And the Wolfpack Solutions were all the people that, that are at NC State doing a, a, like lots of different things. Virologists, sociologists, food safety people, and all, us all sort of adding a little bit of, of what we you know, what, what we work on, but as it relates to, to this issue. So the course uh, coordinators came to me and said, hey, you do a podcast. Can you make another podcast? And I said, sure. But my podcast is usually just two guys talking to each other and looking things up on the Internet. Um, <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Could you do something like a little more you know, polished? Like, a little more I, professional? A little more professional. And I was like, well, I can't, but I can give you some content. You can polish it up. There so you that's go. What we did. Polish up yeah. this turd. <laughs> yeah, I polish up this turd. I got a bunch of turds here. So so, so I interviewed a, a variety of people, and really the podcast is telling the story of what the restaurant industry ha- and, and regulators who regulate the restaurant, what they've been dealing with over the last five months and nice. six months. Yeah. So, so, so the, the podcast uh, launched to the course last, I guess it was on Monday and, and then it'll be available after I can post it after August 10th because that's when the first day of classes are and the course is still available. I don't understand all the particulars, but I'm, I, I will. So I'm going to find a home for this. I'm going to make a, make a little Squarespace mm-hmm. spot. I entitled, so I thought about this a lot and, and I, the, the episode, so, so it's actually going to be like a series and mm-hmm. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be, mm-hmm. but it's going to be called eating during the pandemic. That's straight and, into the point, straight to the point, right? Food, I like it. And, yeah. And how do we like, so restaurants eating during the pandemic, grocery stores. I want to talk to, um, to some of our friends in the grocery store industry. I want to talk to some folks in the harvesting and, uh, meat and poultry processing worlds. I want to talk to just some consumers and, and sort of tell the story through their words, essentially what, what's, what's happening. So I, I it's going to probably be sometime in the fall by the time all this stuff, like I'm going to, I'm going to post episode one kind of like as a pilot when I'm allowed to, mm-hmm. and then, you know, one every couple of weeks, um, as, as we go, go forward through the fall. So something, something will be out there. That's the, that, that's what it's going to look. That's what it's going to sound like to be. Anyway, what I wanted to ask you about, I did a live, um, uh, Q and a with student, uh, who took this class. And so it was broadcast on YouTube and, and then there was questions that came in, um, via YouTube chat and, and then I answered questions. So two things on this. One is this was the first time I've gone this for anything other than picking up a computer or picking up, a, uh, an iPad. Um, and it was, it dawn, it was weird. Mm-hmm. It was like, so, so we, this was in a studio. I, I had a lot of, I really did have a lot of concerns about like, how many people, what are we doing? I'm, I'm assuming I'm wearing masks, right? Like how, how are we going to do this interview with, with no masks? Um, and they wanted like a host. So, okay, no problem. What, how we're in a closed space, like, you know, close contact, all this kind of stuff. So, so we went through 
a whole bunch of pros. There were no camera folks in the room. They set everything up for um, everyone was masked up. My host, who you know, um, is Natalie Seymour, who's mm. uh, you know part of my part of my program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I, they said, okay, fine, you know, pick somebody who you can have a conversation with. And I was like, not have a conversation with her. She did a lot of this work, so it's you know it's to have her and I talk about this. Oh yeah. Um, and so they set us up. So we were about twelve feet apart um, inside. And it was it, like, Don, it was weird. Like it, it was, and, and I, I feel like it was, uh, you know, it was not as, it's definitely not as low risk as sitting on a zoom together. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, you know, the, the university was like, you know, we'd really like, what, what can we do to make it so you guys are in the same room together? Um, and so you know, I've talked a lot over the last five months. I think we're fairly both, you know, fairly focused on social distancing outside of, uh, you know, outside of the time that, you know, we're not uh, all the time. Um, so, so I was like, you know, you know, are you, are you comfortable with this? If you're not totally, totally fine, we'll do this by zoom, but we tried it. And, um, and so, yeah, we spent, uh, about 30 in a room, 12 feet apart with no ventilation. Cause there's no, cause of the, cause of the audio, um, mm. but with no masks on. And it was like, whew. It was weird. It just, it was a weird feeling. Um, so I, I wanted to tell you about that, but then the second thing, I got a lot of questions, right. And, and a lot of the questions were, um, you know, pr- predictable, uh, type questions. And, and there are things that, that we had talked about, but one, there's still one that, that I'm, that I struggle explaining well, I, I think. And, and I'm, I'm sitting on two or three emails um, that I haven't answered because I, I, I'm still trying to craft uh, a, a, a good science communication answer. And, and the answer is, or the question really is, okay, so, so I, we understand that there haven't been clusters related to food and there mm-hmm. haven't been clusters related to food packaging. Right. And, and, and I understand that, that the virus survive, sorry, let me, let me go back. I understand that the virus is not likely to 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 um, survive the gut very well because of because of acidity or not and survives not the right word but may remain um, uh, in, infective through that through that process. Not to say that it's not you know it, that it's a hundred percent, but lots of things working against against the virus, right? Um, and we and we talk about ACE two receptors in um, in in cells and. The, the, the challenge that I have in, so that, so the question is, okay, all those things, great, but, but tell me, tell me more about why it's, if there's a bunch of virus on food that it's unlikely to make me sick because it's passing through the same spot in my mouth, in the, my salivary glands, in my throat that I would expect the virus to go if I'm breathing it in. And and I, I, you know, this is the, the, the hard part about this one is, and so I want to, I, like, I want to work, work with you to, to talk about this in a, in a more specific way. The hard part is I, I you know, there's, there's a lot of science reasons for it and it's, and it's a risk re- reason. It's not a throw, but it's a really low, low chance. But, but how do we, how do we communicate that better? Um, and you know, you reviewed, you told me that you reviewed a paper that sort of approached this. Um, that I don't think, I don't know if we'll, how much we'll talk about, but, but that, this, this question, like, I really want, I really want us to do a better job explaining this, you know, this conundrum for people who aren't biologists. And so I don't know. So what do we do? How do we, how do we, how do we explain this better? 
Well, you know, that's a good question. And this is something that, I mean, I've been, this was, this was my entree into the world of COVID, right? When Lex Friedman, I think, had a, had a tweet about Lysoling his takeout food or his delivery food on his porch, right? And I'm like, I, that doesn't make sense to me, right? And it's been a while to sort of for me to think about it and articulate this. And so there's a couple of different, a couple of different things that I want to point people to in, in show notes. And one is an amazing series written by Rob Lake and... Uh, Joanne Kingsbury, Joanne Kingsbury and Rob Lake in that order, basically, and it's, it's, I found, finally found a place on the web where all of these exist. And this has been a series of four different updates entitled The Potential for Foodborne Transmission COVID-19. And they've been looking at the literature and, sorry, yeah, four, yeah, four, four, four of these. The latest one was in July 2020, and we'll link to a MIA, that's the Meat Industry Association uh, of New Zealand, we'll link to the webpage that collects all of these. And, and so basically, you know, one of the things, that, so there's a couple of different arguments here. First of all, um, we have to look for where are the, the cases, right? Are there cases from food. And, and we don't have any evidence that there's cases from food. That doesn't mean that food workers can't get sick, but all of those cases seem to be linked to person-to-person transmission. And the other thing that, and I forget who sent this to me, it might have been, it might have been friend of the show, John Bassett. And I want to just say a huge thanks if it was, Tim, I'll, I'll find out who it was. I can look in my email. But this is a, a one-page comment published in The Lancet by my colleague Emmanuel Goldman, who is a professor of microbiology, biochemistry, and molecular genetics at the New Jersey Medical School, Rutgers University. He's up, he's up in Newark. Actually, I didn't realize he was in Newark. So anyway, and the one-page article uh, from The Lancet is entitled Exaggerated Risk of Transmission of COVID-19 by Fomites. And Emmanuel lays out a really nice series of arguments about like it's really unlikely that you're going to get very many virus particles on a surface right just based on the survival of those particles on the surface based on the nature of the surface and and and, and so really we know how people get the virus is from person to person and so it really has to do with the kinetics of transfer and then of course I, I thought this was a great article and I responded to him and I said you know what based on our own research with cross-contamination from surfaces you know, we know that a dry surface to another dry surface is there's not a lot of transfer. Now, now if it's if it's food, well, that's not a, a dry surface anymore. But I just I just think honestly, Ben, it comes down to a probability thing, and right. and and I think the virus is infectious, but it's a it's a dose response, and you you to to have a reasonable reasonable probability of getting sick, you need to have the dose, and and the the greatest doses come when you're next to someone who's shedding the virus and they're right face to face with you, right? And and the interesting thing and the reason why this virus has been so insidious is apparently uh, peak transmission occurs before symptoms, right? Or it's bef- it's immediately before and Pre- immediately after you start showing symptoms. That's when you are shedding large numbers of virus particles. And again, there's some evidence that there's a person to person difference there, orders of magnitude different person to person. So maybe some people 
because of just luck or maybe because of their, you know, they have a moist mouth. I, I don't know. Um, they're just shedding a lot more particles that, that are a lot more droplets that contain the virus, right? And so, and that's what causes the illness. It's not, it's not the low levels that might land on a surface or that might land on a food. Is there a probability of that, that you can get it via food? Yes, but it's a, it's a low probability versus the risk of person to person. And so that, that's my rather inarticulate way of explaining this, you know, and, and, I, and again, I, I guess I could, you know, I could probably sit down and try to sketch out using some actual numbers and, and sort of figure out, okay, so what's the, what's the probability that you're going to get sick if a person who has COVID-19 breathes right in your face, right? Let's look at the probability of that based on what we know about dose response and the number of virus particles. And then let's now compare that to other scenarios. And, and again, as we've talked about on the podcast, we've talked about this, you know, this, these rankings, this, you know, 10, 10 behaviors rank from most risky to less risky, right? That's, that's all fine. But what you have to also realize is that risk generally scales by orders of magnitude. So something, something, it's like the Richter scale or the pH scale, right? It's, It's something that is at a level of 10 is 10 times worse than something that's at a level of nine which is 10 times worse than eight, which is 10 times worse than seven. And so by the time you go from 10 to seven, you're a thousand times less likely to get sick from that. And then again, that just goes down and down and down as you, as you keep dropping through these orders of magnitude. And so, yeah, I mean, I think understanding and learning how to think in terms of orders of magnitude is so important when it comes to thinking about risk. So, yeah, so that's my, that's my not very... Not very well stated, but but that, I think that gets you to the sentiment of, of how I would convey that, if not the actual facts of how I would convey it. Well, yeah, and, and I think you're, I mean, a, a couple of things have, have come out over the last few months about the, the challenge in this. And one is, you and I spend all of our time in the world of science. Well, I mean, not all of our time, but but a lot of it, yeah. right? Like, like thinking our about- hours, Our working hours, and then yeah. maybe some non-working hours. Right, right. And and I think like from in I I I had so I I'm probably said this I'll like mentioned this on the podcast and I don't know how realistic this quote is, but I had a, a zoology professor when I was an undergrad say, you know, like this is my first week of, of university at, at the University of Guelph. And he was like, All right, here's the deal. Already after this is after the first week of classes, you already have more training in the world of science than you know something like 99.999% of the people in the world right like like you know just thinking about the population and and accessibility to education right so 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 here not being an undergrad not not spending almost anything not knowing anything about you know the selfish gene or you know <laughs> evolution from a, a a zoology standpoint but any of the science you know other than high school science um it, 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 we the the communicating science, thinking about science, thinking about the uncertainty. And and this is, I I think this really does have a lot to do with, you know, sort of the political aspect of what's happening right now is people say things like, well, we have to look at the science and we have to trust the science. And, and they, they don't always have an understanding that, that science is a, it's not a, it's not a binary yes or no thing right like it's we're we're always adding to the literature there there are multiple different ways to look at a problem there are lots of different methodologies that we can use to to investigate what's what's happening 
what what we look for is 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 contributing to the body body of knowledge, stepping back, reading, you know, not one paper decides how we approach anything and and saying, okay, what are the what what do we see with the trends here? what what are what are the with with all the different approaches here, are we seeing the same kind of outcomes, right? That aspect and and talking about risk and talking about magnitude and understanding numbers. Like, I mean, it comes down to some of those those like basics. We're in the midst of this pandemic, the literacy of science and and thus the like trust in science is is becomes our real our real problem. And communicating it, and this is someone like I'm talking about this from someone who does communication. This is one that I'm I still have trouble communicating in a succinct way. And, and I think that the dose response helps a lot, right? Like, but that's something that, that needs some, we need to, we, we need to have some background to, to explain dose response a little bit for, for folks to, to, to grasp what, you know, what that, what that means in the context. Right. Well, and, and the way that I've settled on explaining this is it's like a lottery ticket, right? <clears throat> so think of each virus particle or each salmonella cell as a lottery ticket. If you buy one lottery ticket, you might win the lottery, right? You might get COVID-19 if you inhale one virus particle. There is a probability, but you are much more likely to win the lottery if you buy a million lottery tickets, right? Yeah. And that and that I think starts to get to the, how people how people think about this. And and yeah, and I, I I'm really taken by your comment, your zoology first week comment because okay, so if, if we take that argument that okay, so a an undergrad who's had one week of instruction already knows more than ninety nine point you know pick your number of nines of the population, and then I think back to what I thought I knew as a freshman, right, to, right. to what I knew as a senior, to what I knew when I got my master's, to when I got my PhD, to what I know now, right? Yep. And, and all of those are orders of magnitude. And, 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 I, and I have to, and the other, one of my other favorite quotes, which I, I'm sure I've mentioned before on here is that, you know, they give you a bachelor's degree when you think you know everything. They give you a master's degree when you realize that you don't know anything. And then finally you get a PhD when you realize that nobody else really knows anything either, right? And, and I think right. that that and, – and again, and then one more a brief segue here. I mentioned before one of the things that's been absolutely invaluable to me is uh, – I've listening – and this has shifted around my podcast listening – is I've been listening to a podcast called This Week in Virology. And they have really redoubled their efforts, multiple episodes a week, hours long, you know, good, good like food safety talk length – you know, piss off Michelle Daniluk length uh, podcast, but on episode, and they've been doing this for a long time, and episodes 641, they interviewed Anthony Fauci, uh, because he's a virologist, and they actually know him professionally, and, and I was just, so first of all, I was struck how much he sounds like Brad Pitt doing Anthony <laughs> Fauci, okay, he really, he really has nailed his Brad, Brad Pitt doing Anthony Fauci impersonation, <laughs> he's right on the money with that, but but it really, I just was struck so much by how often he said, oh, we don't know, we don't yeah. know, right, yeah. and, and that's and that's the thing about, you know, that, that I think people don't understand about science is often we don't know, and then, and then the other thing that he said is like, well, I think this was Fauci said, this is like, well, then uh, get, give us your best guess. And then he gives them the best guess, and then later they said you were wrong. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was wrong. You right. told me to guess. What? 
<laughs> what? And, you know, I mean, come on. And this, this is really, this is part of where I think when you're in the world of science, you become very comfortable not knowing. Right. Yes. Oh, and there's a wonderful, I'll find it. There's a wonderful quote from Richard Feynman about not knowing. It's just, it's, I'll, I'll find it and I'll read it to you, but it's absolutely nails it. Yes. Right. And so, so we're, we're like, I mean, that is, that's exactly why we do what we do is because we don't know something and we're trying to find what it, we're trying to find some like scratch a little bit around the, the, the fact area, right? Like we're trying to, we're trying to understand more about it. And, and I think on the outside of the world of science and, you know, I, I, I've, 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 I've tried, I'm mostly off Facebook, Don, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm mostly, so I'm, you're, I'm but you're all Facebook, in on Facebook, Facebook marketplace, all in on Facebook marketplace. Mostly I'm, I'm basically not reading comments of anything <laughs> or anywhere. I comments, I'm, I'm mostly off of the comments, but, but you know, I, I, there, there are certainly people that I know who, who, who very much are because this is such a, you know, center of the world conversation very much are like pontificating their, you know, what they know about masks, right? <laughs> both sides of this, uh, both straight shooter to both sides of this, this, this situation. And, and, and it, and it, the conversation, I've, I've never, I never really weigh in on it because it's not a real conversation. Like no, yeah. no one there, there are no absolutes yeah. Yeah. on, on any of this. And that's, that's where we're comfortable. And that's where the rest of the world really isn't comfortable, I think. Right. And that's part of this. The, like that, that is the root of this question about food is you and I, and not just you and I, but our, like our, our world, the world that works in risk, that works in magnitudes, we're, we're pretty comfortable on, 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 I guess, understanding lottery and making decisions based on, on this. Right. So is it theoretically possible? Yes. Is it likely to happen? No, it's very, very unlikely right. to happen. And where's the evidence, right? It, it's like the, the thing with fomites, yeah. right? And this is, you know, one of the things that, and I, and again, huge, huge shout out to Emmanuel Goldman for writing the article and then for being gracious enough to respond to my email. Since this fomite thing, you know, I was like, I started thinking, well, where's the evidence of fomite transmission, right? We keep telling people to wash their hands, blah, 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 but where's the evidence, right? And I can't find it, right? I can find one article, and I've talked about it before. Yeah. It's the it's the Wuhan couple that traveled to Singapore and were sat in a church seat, and then another woman sat in the same church seat for the next service, and that, that person got sick, you know, uh, the, those two people got sick a few days after they went to church, and the other person got sick a week or 10 days after that, right? And there's no there's another one where they think it might have been a bathroom or a m elevator uh, elevator button in a mall, right? And then there's another yep. one that's a hospital that's that's not a peer reviewed study, and it's not it's not good. And and so I keep saying, where's the evidence, right? If if this really happens a lot, where is the evidence? And we just haven't seen it. Now that doesn't mean that there's no evidence, right? I'm sure there's a right, lot, a lot right. of people out there who have COVID-19 that don't know how they got it, but we haven't had a systematic analysis of that. And then again, before I lose it, this is a, this is a long quote, uh, and I only remember, remembered part of it, but it's actually part of a larger quote, which I think is really, really worth reading, and, and, it, and, and, and it's relevant to what we're talking about. So this is a quote from Richard Feynman, a noted uh, Nobel Prize winning physicist. I think it's much more interesting to live not knowing than to have answers which might be wrong. I have approximate answers and possible beliefs and different degrees of uncertainty about different things, 
but I am not absolutely sure of anything, and there are many things I don't know anything about, such as whether it means anything to ask why we're here. <laughs> I, I guess so. It's an existential question. I don't have to know an answer. I don't feel, this is the part that I remember, I don't feel frightened not knowing things. By being lost in a mysterious universe without any purpose, which is the way it really is as far as I can tell. So I think all of that is about God, but, but really it can be about science too. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and this, you know, th this food question, right? So, so like, let me, let me go back to the, to the, you know, where this, where this all started comes, you know, comes from a student who is not, you know, they're not, they haven't even begun their undergraduate career other than this, this class, uh, wicked, wicked problems will pack solutions. And cause if you right, I, I've learned this in a podcast. If you say trademark after someone, something, it makes it, you get a trademark. Yes. You get trademark, yeah. So you know, so so the so the question, it's it's it, it is it's out there. So it's like, okay, so we don't have any evidence of it. We 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 think from a biological standpoint for all of this evidence, justification that that it's not, it, it's it it's not a likely at all, right? Like, and it's it, again not zero, but man, if we if we saw a case of foodborne transmission, it would blow. It would surprise me. It would be the biggest surprise of my career, right? Of of my life, probably. So, you know, right? And and then you then then we walk through, and here here are the you know here are the reasons. And I, I'm going to read you something that I've I've been working on as it relates to this. And I'll you know this this is we we've been working on this like transmission fact sheet that we sent out a draft and I wasn't super happy with the with the food part because I I still think that it leaves questions. And so here's where I've arrived at. There have been no documented cases of COVID-19 being contracted from food, but there have been several instances at places where food is served or sold due to person-to-person -person transmission, especially without face coverings. No clusters of illnesses linked to food consumption or handling have been observed anywhere in the world, but epidemiologists and food safety professionals continue to look for links. The virus must come in contact with cells containing a specific receptor that allows entry into that cell and causes an infection. Moisture droplets inhaled appear to be the best way that the virus makes its way to the respiratory cells and causes an infection, resulting in the most serious COVID-19 symptoms. The virus can be found, found in salivary glands and has been recovered from fecal matter, but these sources have not been shown to lead to clusters of infections. Scientists believe that infection through the digestive tract is not very common as stomach acid helps inactivate the virus, right? And, and so the and like literally no, nothing has changed in five months because the answer that I, I still see someone saying is, but you're still saying that there's a chance, right? At the end of this. And, and yes, there's still a chance, but it's not, it's the lottery chance. It's, right. There's and, a, there's a chance is, that you could yeah. be struck by lightning, right? Right. There, right. There's a, there's a, you know, so yes, there's a chance, there's a chance that there could be a meteor strike, right? I mean, all of these things are chances, but yeah, and you know, and the other thing too, and and I think I think this Leanne, when we first started talking about the ACE two receptor, and I think Leanne mentioned this, and I've just been doing a little bit of googling or get giggling, giggle, Google giggling, giggling. Um, it's not just about the ACE two receptor. Apparently, there is an so the, the first thing that has to happen is the spike protein on the virus has to 
bind to the ACE2 receptor. But then there's another step that requires another molecule to actually, I guess, to break that spike protein or to do something else to that spike protein before the virus can get inside. And so, yes, you have to have the ACE2 receptor, but there are other things that have to happen as well. And it may well be that the the cells in the esophagus don't have that uh, or that doesn't happen with as great a uh, degree, right? And maybe maybe there's some cells that are more readily affected by by the virus and other cells that are less readily affected or infected, uh, taken into to cells. And then as you mentioned, there's the stomach acid and then there's the cells of the uh, of the intestine, right? And so and and again, what's the relationship of food, right? If if there're viruses in food, maybe it's just in the food and it's not it's not getting to those, not all the viruses getting to those receptors, right? So that's a possibility as well versus, let's say, a virus particle that's in a droplet of water, well, that's going to behave differently than a virus that's in a, a droplet of food, right? Or a particle of food or, or in, yeah. So, so I mean, there, there's just a whole lot of things there that, that seem to make it less likely. Right, right. So, and this is the part that I think, like, and I, not to belabor this too much, but, the, but we... We don't know exactly why. And I'm okay with that, right? Like, like that, that, you know, we have a lot of justification on why we think and we'll probably, you know, not, I mean, not certainly in the next six months know exactly why, but the, the lack of clusters, the, the biological reasons, it's a body of evidence, Right. That 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 really point to and say, this is not something if we're worried about risk reduction, this is not somewhere to put our efforts. We need to look at the things that we know are are risky. And and it's I mean, this will be this will be a challenge this is like that that we're going to continue to to grapple with. We we've seen, you know, next week we do we should probably put a plug in for this. But you and I are doing um, a webinar for the. Um, for, it's sponsored by IAFP, and is it what what affiliate is it, Don, that we're doing this COVID nineteen thing? Um, is it the affiliate global? Oh gosh, now you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah it's the thing, thing that we're doing next week. But um, we got a thing next week. Global a COVID nineteen food safety global summit. Global summit. That's <laughs> it. Global. We're doing the global. It's for the global global affiliate. And so, so anyway, we will be, we will be doing, don't reg, don't wait to register. This is stay connected, stay in, informed. And there's a global summit and it's IAFP is the global host. Yeah. And it, it is, it is a, it is a paid, it, so yeah, it's, it's basically, it's, it's, it's associated with China food safety. So yes, that, uh, yeah. that it's, it's not the Chinese affiliate, but it's the guys that put on the IAFP co-branded session in China. It is a for pay. Uh, it, it's a rather hefty price tag. So, I mean, you know, just be, be aware, like we won't be offended if you can't afford it. You should just keep listening to this podcast though, cause we're free. Um, but, but if you're and none interested, of the money comes to us. <laughs> oh yes, yes. And if you register, getting... if you register for this summit, um, none of the money comes to us, but it does go to, I think, a good cause. I don't know how much actually goes to IAFP versus <laughs> versus yeah. the, the 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 other folks with uh, Info X W S. But anyway, so so you know, if you have the money and you're interested, go do that. But otherwise, just keep listening to this podcast, which is free. <laughs> right, right. Well, anyways, I, I got I got d- diverted here talking about that, but on that. <laughs> One of the things that I know is going to come up because we're going to talk about it is um, trade issues around right. oh, around huge, um, huge. food yeah. and testing, packaging and food for SARS-CoV-2. 
and and this you know so so this like this food packaging connection question is not going to go away and so we still we need to keep figuring better what we i know like i i really appreciate where we're with this the um uh um rob um oh gosh uh, Rob Lake and Joanne Kingsbury yep. uh, work from from New Zealand, and they've put together so many great like literature standard of like literature certain re- reviews and putting it all together on why this isn't um, a, an area to to focus on um, in food. And but but it still gives us a communication challenge. Like that's the part that I'm still like I am stuck on right. And, and, and which I guess for a good reason, like, I don't, I, we, we haven't really solved the best way to communicate that. Um, and, and the questions will continue to come up and the people that we have to communicate will, will shift. And, and it's the, the it, it's been a wave of, uh, of concern. And so, so anyway, Hey, so just one before thing I we wanna... completely leave SARS-CoV-2 and the ACE2 receptor. So uh, I'll link to an article in Cell or the abstract of an article in Cell, which basically just, to, this just sort of gets to the idea that it's more complicated than just ACE2, right? And so what they show in this article is that the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 needs to be primed by a serine protease called TMPRSS2, okay? And so so you need that that priming and then you need the uh, the ACE2 receptor and they have a if they in the experiment they use a uh, protease inhibitor and that protease inhibitor blocks entry of the virus into the cell. So what that basically is saying is that, yes, you need the ACE2 receptor, but you also need this serine protease that's located on the surface of the cell. And, and if you knock out that or you, you block that, then the virus can't get inside. And so we, again, so a good question would be, well, are, is, is there, is there, is, is this serine protease in esophageal cells, right? Is it, is it in intestinal cells, right? And that we don't know. So anyway. Right, right, right. Um, Okay, so so I want to highlight another paper that we've talked about a little bit um, in the past, but uh, yeah, I think it, it I think it's all wrapped up in this in the same conversation about you know science is is not one paper at a at a time. Okay, so this is a paper that was published back in 2013. It's called Survival of Respiratory Viruses on Fresh Produce, and it's by Yapiz Gomez, Gerba, and and Bright. And we've talked a, a lot about you know Chuck Gerba stuff in in the past. But, but this is one of those papers. So, so I'm, I'm going to read from the abstract here. So the goal of the study was to determine the recovery efficiencies and survivor of two respiratory viruses, namely adenovirus 2 and coronavirus 229E, COV-229E, on fresh produce in comparison to enteric polio virus. Okay. Why, you know, whatever this is, you know, interesting. But here's the, like, I guess highlights in, in the results. Coronavirus was recovered from lettuce with an efficiency of 19.6%, yet could not be recovered from strawberries. Poliovirus was recovered with efficiencies of 76.7 lettuce, but only 0.06 from strawberries. And anyway, you could find adenovirus on on strawberries as well. Um, Don, this this is the thing. Like, I if I'm not in the world of science, I can take this paper and say, yep. If you don't want coronavirus, just eat strawberries. Right. 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 Strawberries are safer than lettuce. 
strawberries are safe in the less, but that's not, that's not it. Like this is part yes. of the body of knowledge. There's lots of limitations. This isn't SARS-CoV-2. Why, you know, the question of why would, couldn't, couldn't the virus be recovered from strawberries, right? Like, is it something about the morphology of the strawberry? Maybe Whatever. it's just and the pH, it never gets, right? Yeah. Maybe it's the pH. Yeah. Maybe there's some other phytochemicals that are on that are associated with strawberries that, that make it so the virus doesn't, you know, it's not recoverable, but it really never gets to, and, and it's not the goal of this paper, but it never gets to, but could it make me sick if I ate a strawberry, even though it was only recovered from 0.06 or could it make me sick if it was on lettuce and the dose response aspect of that is not, not part of this. And it's not, it doesn't need to be because this is one yet one paper in the body of knowledge. Right. So, and it's there, it, and it's not, I don't know. It, this is, it, it's still like, I mean, this, this communication of this issue remains to be something that I think we've, we've figured out or solved, but it's something when, when we do this webinar next week, that's what I want to talk about is we, we can't, can we, we, we can't just say, Hey, if food safety is not an issue, go look somewhere else. We have to keep re-upping our communication about this and why what's changed if anything over the last you know month or the last five months or the you know as we fast forward a year what do we know now like it's it our our body of knowledge will continue to evolve and our communication around it needs to continue to evolve but it's not you know one part one paper doesn't solve it all right right well and as a, a point that i made the other day just because salmonella can survive on my shoe that doesn't mean that that salmonellosis is shoeborne, right? So, <laughs> wait, where did you make that point? That's amazing. I made that. I might have made that in the review of uh, a, a manuscript that I was recommending rejection of. <laughs> it doesn't make it shoeborne. Oh gosh, you're right. It's born on the shoe. Yes, born born, born on the fourth of the shoe, but it doesn't. It doesn't make it shoe. It's not a shoeborne disease. <laughs> Oh man! Speaking of shoeborne diseases, are you ready to talk about something else? <laughs> I I really so, so speaking of Richard Feynman, and and by the way, you should you should find every book uh, that he's written and and read it because he's a brilliant writer. I, I want to talk about stuff we don't know, like where are we getting salmonella from? Okay, let's talk about where we're getting salmonella from, where, or where we don't know where we're getting salmonella from. Have you been following this yes. outbreak at all? I have. So there's a lot of, okay, you, you talk about it and I'm going to pull up the CDC thing. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> you sure you don't want to do it the other way around? No. Uh, no. So what, I don't, have what it up. I don't have it up either, but I'll talk. So, you know, we, we, we here in food safety world, we love to talk about solved outbreaks, right? But there's a lot of outbreaks that are not solved. So for example, we may say, okay, well, there is a statistical correlation between uh, Salmonella St. Paul and tomatoes. Whoops, it's not tomatoes. It's in fact, it's peppers. And then we can trace it back to some locations in uh, farms in Mexico. But sometimes, well, and then, and then of course, so that's one situation. Another situation is you get sick we never know from what, and we never know why, right? And then in the middle is the situation that we have going on with salmonella, which is like, okay, we see an uptick in cases of salmonella. We, thanks to whole genome, it used to be thanks to pulse, pulse field, uh, pulse typing, uh, PFGE. Now, thanks to uh, NGS, next generation sequencing or whole genome sequencing, we now know, okay, there's a whole bunch of salmonella cases. We know there's so many cases in this state 
There's so many cases in that state. There's so many cases in the other state. These are all um, linked genetically. They all seem to have the same genetic fingerprint. They all, you know, they're they're different by very few uh, SNPs, single nu nucleotide polymorphisms. They, they're just they're different by one base pair, but they're all basically the same. They all happen. They're, they're happening more or less at the same time. Okay, this looks like a foodborne disease outbreak. Okay. But the punchline here, and there's, there's, I guess there's, there's not a punchline yet, we just simply don't know what this is linked to. So was that, was that long enough for you to pull up the article? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was perfect. Okay. So, and then I moved to somewhere else because I was going to help answer some of this. All right. So here we go. As of July 21st, a couple of days ago, 125 reported cases, 15 states, 24 hospitalizations. And here's the, here's the fun stuff. We don't know. <laughs> Public health investigators are using PulseNet to identify illnesses that are part of this outbreak. We've got whole genome sequencing, just all the stuff you talked about. Uh, illnesses started June 19th. They they raid a uh, raid range to July 7th, but we know we're you know this is being reported on July 21st. We know that it takes a lot of time. So people could, this is an ongoing outbreak, likely, right? People are still probably being exposed to whatever this is because it's within the window of time that even if someone got sick on July 8th, we wouldn't know about it yet because it takes time for people to go to the doctor, to get a stool sample, for that stool sample to be analyzed, for um, it to be, you know, whole genome sequence or PFGE uploaded into PulseNet, all that kind of stuff. And hey, Don, I don't know if you know this, but we're in the midst of another public health crisis right now that might also slow down foodborne outbreak investigations because the people that are doing it, in, especially in the local and state level, are kind of the same people. Wait a minute. Um, what you're saying, are you saying that people can't do food safety at the same doing COVID response, Ben? I, I mean, they can. I, I just don't think, I think it's a lot to ask of them. They don't and, need to sleep. <laughs> true, <laughs> sleep. true. Sleep is for right. the week. Well, if they have time, if they've got time to listen to our podcast, uh, <laughs> well, maybe they're running, maybe they're running gels or PCRs while they're listening to our podcast. So you know, I so I the we'll we'll link to the we'll link to the the CDC page, and and I'm also looking at the timeline of reported cases. I like to look at this this graphical data. What they will sometimes do on the timeline is they'll they'll give you a window of uncertainty where they'll say, okay, cases that may have. People infected on this date, may we may not know about this yet, and that's missing from this particular plot. Which, which is, I mean, I, I kind of I would have liked to have seen that, but I guess you know that's that's the way it goes. But it, but it definitely shows cases going up. It looks like they peak around 13 cases a day on the fourth and the fifth of July, and then they go down. But they maybe just be going down because we haven't seen those cases come in yet, right? Right, right. They, they, yeah. and, and in fact, under that, they say illness might not be reported due to the time it takes between a person becomes ill and when an illness is reported. This takes on average two to four weeks. So if we go backwards from July 21st, let's say four weeks, well, that actually takes us all the way back to the start of this timeline. Oh, wow. Okay, sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and here's yeah. the thing. Since uh, we don't have a food implicated yet, we can't be telling people to avoid something. So whatever it is, if, well, if whatever food. it is is out there is still making people sick, they're still eating it, right? Un unless it's a short shelf life right. product. But it's probably not a short shelf life product. I mean, it's hard to say. So the 19th of June through the 8th of July, that's a couple of weeks. So again, if it's a peanut butter outbreak, it's going to go on much longer. If it's a fresh produce outbreak, it's probably over, right? Right. Well, and let's look at salmonella Newport. It's pretty common. Right. So let's look in the last couple of years what we've seen salmonella Newport associated with. Frozen raw tuna. Okay. Long mm -hmm. shelf life. 
uh, beef? Uh, not mm. as long of a shelf life, but could have persistent, you know, in, in a, in a plant. Yep. Um, for, uh, dried coconut, coconut, hang on. long shelf life. Um, sorry, uh, frozen, not dried, frozen shredded coconut. Also, long also long shelf life. Yep. Papayas, not as long of a shelf life that goes back into 2017. I'm just uh, clicking through previous outbreaks. So th this is the other thing is, you know, sometimes we can start to connect a pathogen with a food type, but I mean, look at all I talked about. Frozen products, ground beef, you know, fresh products, seafood with the tuna, um, and fresh produce, right? Yeah, and, so and, and the thing it's all, about it's all over the place. Yeah, and the thing about salmonella is it could be in anything, and it is often is in a lot of things, and so it's really, yeah, it's uh, not not surprising. Cucumbers mm. back in 2014, yeah, let's see, uh, cantaloupe in 2012, and then in 2016. Let's see, look, here we go. Or 2011 to 2006. Find Newport. Just alfalfa sprouts in 2010. So, I mean, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's common. So, even that doesn't really give us any sort of indication. No, and it doesn't, so, doesn't, so doesn't narrow us. Doesn't narrow us down to meat or produce. Doesn't narrow us down to type of produce. <laughs> doesn't uh, fresh or frozen. Yep. You know, n n nothing. So, I don't know about you, but I received, you know, there's people that think I know stuff sometimes. <laughs> so I get texts and I get texts from people that say, Hey, what do you know about this? And so I'd heard a couple of things, uh, that I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, how, how much the, I don't want to, uh, in, insinuate the, or uh, stoke the rumor mill on this, but I'd heard a couple of, Oh, like, stoke it. <laughs> I'd, I'd heard, I'd heard tropicals. I'd heard tropical, tropical okay. things. Yeah. Okay. But, but that was back early in this that mm. that was not in july 21st that was like july 1st or july when when cases first initially the sort of the first wave if you look at the at those illnesses started to come up and i think it was just one state so i don't know how much that's evolved since then but what's like you know here we go we got 125 cases so what we estimate uh you know for every case that gets reported we've got another 40 cases out there or 38 when it comes to salmonella mm -hmm. or something right mm -hmm. and these are these are estimates so 4700 you know over 4500 people may be sick throughout the US and and that's this this is like a magnitude and in, in you know issue that things that we've talked about in, in the past but it has a, a totally different type of conversation now right that's a big if if you said 4000 people got sick from a foodborne illness outbreak that's a huge outbreak you see 125 people get sick. It's kind of big. We're looking at 4 million cases of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. That's not, you know, we're, we're it's pale uh, in, in comparison. But for us in the foodborne illness world, this is a big, this is a big deal. But because, and, and again, this is the public health management. If we can figure out what the food is and we can remove it from market, right? We can tell people to avoid it. We can solve this outbreak. Every one of those cases go, you know, ones in the future, we're reducing risk for people, right? That's why we focus on this. It's a little bit different than a respiratory illness where, where we're trying to control person to person transmission. These two things are related, but they're not, they're not, the management of it is not the same. So it's, it's hard to equate them, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it is. And here's, you know, so, so here's the thing, and this is all that CDC can do. And I don't have any, anything else to add, but they say, all right, if you want to avoid salmonella, clean, separate, cook, and chill foods. We don't yeah. have any other detail to tell you. Well, right? and the, what, what else can you do? And just to bring it back to COVID-19, 
this kind of explains the, well, it's a respiratory virus, but wash your hands. <laughs> You know, I mean, because it's something that people can do and we like to give them things that they can do. So, yeah, we don't know. We don't don't know. We don't know that it's coming from meat. It might be coming from, you know, your papayas, but uh, beef. (laughs) Cook your beef. Yeah, it's always a good idea to separate things. Keep them separated, Don. Yeah. Yeah. Separate (laughs) Um, your beef from your mangoes. (laughs) Yep. Keep keep those mangoes. Keep those mangoes separate. Uh so yeah, this is the you know I guess more to more to come on this eventually. Or, or not? Okay, I got or not for. right? More to come or, or not. not? This may be right. It. Yeah, right, right. And and that'll you know that 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 happens. That happens a lot. So here's here's a good one for you. Hmm. Have you heard? Our, this, this someone someone tagged me in the Twitter today, and I'll I'll drop this into in, into your text your text chat mm-hmm. on this. Do you know about 3D printed chicken chicken nuggets? I know about you know chicken about these things. I know about chicken nuggets and I know about 3D print. I'm not sure I know about the oh. two together. I got to find this. Where is it? Someone maybe it's been deleted. Uh K, KFC 3D printing. Here you go. KFC to test 3D printed chicken nuggets. Oh, I Does think it I did hear like about chicken? this. Yeah, I think I did hear about this. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's not, I don't want to talk about the economic viability of printing nuggets and nugget printers at every, and you know, uh, what, what was the wartime chicken in every pot? Is that the, <laughs> chicken in every printer? That, that what, a chicken a printer, printer in every home, a 3D chicken printer in every home. It's where, that's the wave of the future. Have you, as an aside, have you ever seen Say Anything? Do you know the, the movie? It's a John Cusack movie? No. It's, it's no. a lovely movie. It's where, so have you ever seen the picture of John Cusack wearing uh, a trench coat holding a, a galvaster oh. over his head? Yes, yes. That's what that's okay. from? That's from Say Anything. It's, okay. It, it's, a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely show uh, or movie. John Cusack, Oni Sky, 80s love, love story. Yeah. But he's a he's a kickboxer. That's what that's his sport. Oh, and uh, and and he says, it says this to his kickboxing sport of the future, which is is one of the greatest <laughs> like throwing lines that I've ever like. And I use it every time someone says something of the future. All I think of is kickboxing sport of the future. Yeah, I uh, yeah. So I I like John Cusack. My wife is not a fan, so we tend to not watch John Cusack movies. But while we're talking about things that we're watching, I know we're supposed to do this at the beginning of the show. I just want to give a giant shout out to a, a show, a British show called Man Down. Which uh, yeah. which stars Greg Davies, which is sorry Davis, Greg Davis pronounced Davies. I mean, sorry, <laughs> Greg Davis spelled Davies. <laughs> it's Greg, Greg D, Greg D. Yeah, it's it's just it's just bizarrely weird. And it turns out we so we listened to we've been watching this show and we listened. He had a stand up special. Greg uh, Davis had a, a spelled spelled Davies had a stand up special where he talks about his life and apparently this is this is kind of loosely modeled on his life because at one point he was a drama teacher so anyway so i i know this is we're really going on uh we're gonna have to put a pin in multiple things here but we'll we'll come back to it but i have uh, on your recommendation started watching man down i've finished uh, the first season last night and i love it good yeah yeah very good characters hilarious good good because i was asking i'd watch dairy girls as we talked about and i was looking for another like british comedy that was did not have a, a studio audience or a laugh track and uh, Man Down does not have either of those things, and it has wonderful 
wonderful performances by multiple characters. And I think he's, I think Greg, Greg Davis Davies, Greg D is, is very funny. Oh, and you know, this is, I didn't realize I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. So the, the character, the actor, Rick Mayall, who plays his dad in series one actually died in real life oh. before making series two. So that's oh. kind of sad. But anyway, uh, spoiler alert, haven't started uh, series two. So, oh, oh sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. 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 <laughs> Cut this out. Cut this in. You're canceled. <laughs> um, all right. So, so 3D printing, sport of the future. Yes. KFC. So, KFC. KFC is taking advantage of innovative step towards creating, quote, a restaurant of the future, which is what we There we go. Because I read that quote. Yeah. Um, and by attempting to develop 3D printed nuggets, the technology involves 3D printing to craft m- the meat of the future. The idea is, in a, is a response to people's desire to maintain a healthy lifestyle and nutrition because um, 3D printing does that. Plus the increased demand for alternatives to traditional King's impossible wapple. What impossible? Whoa. Impossible wapple. Impossible <laughs> whopper. Um, KSC hopes to create the story produced chicken nuggets. The company says the product will be as close to, as, as possible in taste and appearance to the original KFC product. Um, and, and this is my favorite part, Don, do you know what the test market is for KFC's 3d printed chicken nuggets? No. Moscow, Russia. Huh? According to the news release, 3D bioprinting solutions, a laboratory for biotechnological research in Russia, is developing additive bioprinting technology using chicken cells and plant material to create a product that has the taste and texture of chicken meat. So anyway, someone tagged me, tweeted at me in, in earlier about this. Actually, someone, Sean Henley from University of Maryland, and said, all I can think about are the food safety issues. And so mm. what, I guess, you know, let's talk about it. What food safety issues would you see related to 3D printed nuggets, sport of the future? Um, well, I guess I got a couple of questions, a couple of things. What is the quality of the raw material, right? How are the nuggets going to be cooked after they're mm-hmm. made? I'm assuming they are made literally from chicken, right? I think so. It says chicken cells and plant-based materials. Okay, so so, so it's like a like Impossible Burger. Oh, okay, so kind but it's, of, but it's not made from dead chicken. It's made from chicken cells. I guess so. I, I think you you grow the chicken cells in the in, okay, the, in, in the lab, the, right? Oh wow, I yeah. don't know. All right, so yeah, so I guess I'm worried about so the the oh, my overriding concern is sanitation, right? Like yeah. how are they gonna if they're really printing this thing in a printer? How are they gonna clean the printer? That's my overriding concern, but I would worry also about the quality of the, the sanitary quality of the raw materials. And then I would also uh, be curious about the, what's the cooking process, right? Uh, because that could take care of, you know, levels, some, you know, relatively small levels of contamination in the uh, raw, in, or it could take care of contamination in the, in the raw materials. But, I, but again, mostly I'm worried about how do you clean the printer, I guess. Right, right, right. I, and so, I, yeah, I, I, so I think this, you know, we're, we're, of course, way ahead of the curve on this because that's where you and I like to be. We're cutting edge. I, I did find another um, article from 2011 in Bloomberg about $50 chicken nuggets that were grown in the lab. So the, the sub-headline to this Bloomberg, ar- Bloomberg article is clean, cultured, slaughterhouse-free. Whatever you call it, it's a brave new world when it comes to growing meat without any animals. And so you and I were, were back before this – crazy, terrible pandemic, we're, we're supposed to, in April, go to Denver to the Conference for Food Protection, where we were going to have an education program before the Conference for Food Protection on new 
and innovative novel techniques for food that we might see at some point in restaurants and how will we regulate them and this is one of them this is one that we that we that we put on our list and so there's a guy here at NC State his name is Bill Almudis and Bill does he he he's a, a researcher at our Canapolis campus and he does like 3D printed and lab grown meat stuff and so I don't know like I guess from a risk standpoint, it, it's it's like to me, it's like tuna, frozen tuna or back scrape, right? The issue isn't getting salmonella from the the gastro track of that fish, but we still how do we get salmonella in there, right? Well, it comes from post, you know, fish handling contamination. And I think 3D printed chicken has that exact same issue. Now, if we're getting a, a way, like if, if we automate this process and we're getting away from not having any sort of gastrointestinal, you know, eviscera that's in, that's around these cells at all, and we can keep those cell lines, you know, clean and there's a way to test for pathogens and all that kind of stuff, this actually might be a good thing for food safety when we're at scale in like, you know, 20, 85 or whatever or or quicker or whatever you know but but there's still this post making contamination issue but if you took i mean when know, when you said uh, something about how, how do we how do we put the salmonella in there i'm like wait you're gonna make these chicken nuggets and to make them authentic you're gonna put salmonella in them too is that but the that, way that we do it? Yeah, you gotta uh, yeah. keep the, keep them keep them real. So so tell me tell me more about Bill Almutis, specifically how you spell his last name because I can't find wow. it. Yeah, that's a good question. Bill Bill William William Almutis and CSU. Let me see if I can find him. Gavin Gavin Williams. That's a different guy at NC State. Amutis maybe. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's, this it's is the best part. Yeah. Good podcasting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, let's talk and we'll find him. Okay, so I guess the one question I would have, Ben, is why would somebody want to pay $50 for chicken nuggets? But I guess these are chicken nuggets from, well, 2019. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's on the one hand, it just seems like a waste of time. <laughs> Wait, I got it. Oh, hang on a second. Are, no, no, I got. So, are you saying that in 29, if, if you, you'd pay more for old chicken nuggets if, no. because they're aged? No, what I'm saying is, if they cost fifty dollars in 2019, they might cost like forty nine dollars in 2020 because they're working on the technology. So, yeah, I, no, that's that's all. So, I found I found thank Bill you. is not Almutis, it's Amutis, A I M U T I S, and he is the executive director of the NC Food Innovation Lab. Got it. Cool. We will we will link uh, to that to that website. So thank you. Yeah. yeah so I uh, I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I get why people want to do this because they'd rather not. They we still want to have our chicken. We just don't want to kill any chickens to do it. So I get that. Um, it just, and again, I, I, you know, I mean, maybe I'm just being cynical. I mean, it, it's going to get cheaper over time. I'm sure there are technological problems, but we can solve them. So I guess it's probably better it's it's good i guess it's a good thing so uh, yeah i, I yeah, don't know it just yeah i guess like w the way that i was looking at it is i want like it, it could make food safer or unsafe <laughs> it's one of the two you could also say the same <laughs> safety it's one of those three things <laughs> yeah. right like yeah so yes. so you, you can also, have also it's you, complicated you, and it depends 
Yeah, yeah. Is it risky or not? I think it's not risky. Uh, yes. Oh, that's a different show. <laughs> oh, damn. That's right. That thing, I heard that show's back. I heard it's uh, back, too. We should link to season that. Season two so, just dropped. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so apologies to everybody um, uh, that uh, we got, uh, the as I explained in a tweet, um, Risky or Not was quarantined by the podcast, but I'm back, back to work and back getting that show up, and we've got a whole bunch of episodes loaded up and ready to go, and then Ben and I have to make more episodes for you, but you, your Risky or Not is set to go through right now without any changes from us through the first week of August. And then before then, Ben and I are going to make more episodes and I, I, I'll do my best to get them uh, posted in a timely manner. People really do seem to like that show. It's short, it's bite-sized and it appeals to people. And so again, thanks to people for listening to that and we'll, we'll link to it and uh, we'll make more episodes for you. Yeah. And, and, and do send us, you know, you're listening to this podcast, but if you want us to tackle something on risk or not, we have a, a big, like catalog, but these are short podcasts. So, so send us any things us to do risky or not. And we got a couple of good ones of the last little while. So yeah, keep, keep, keep engaging with us on that. All right. I got something for you here. Cool. This comes from a listener deep, deep new England, I believe who's, who's been a listener for quite some time. This is, I mean, this is right. New, new, new came in yesterday. Good evening, professors. Very formal, deep New England. I just got a question from a farmer about black garlic and how it's regulated in our state. When I contacted our state regulator, it seems it's new to them also. Would you be willing to talk about the risks involved and pathogens to control for in this product? Apparently, it's heated to at least 140 degrees for weeks, and the Maillard reaction causes a change of the flavor and the texture of the garlic. According to Wikipedia, black garlic is made when hens of garlic are aged under special conditions of heat and humidity. Bulbs are kept in humidity-controlled environments from 80 to 90 percent at temperatures that range from 60 to 90 degrees Celsius, which is 140 to 190, for 15 to 90 days. And uh, there are no additives, preservatives, or burning of any kind. Good. I'm glad that's not being burned. The enzymes that give fresh garlic its sharpness break down. Conditions are thought to facilitate the Maillard reaction, chemical process that produces new flavor compounds responsible for the deep taste of seared meat and fried onions. The cloves turn black and develop a sticky date-like texture. Bacterial endophytes capable of fermentation and with a strong ability of heat resistance have been identified in common garlic and black garlic. These may have reference or relevance to the black garlic production. And then uh, friend friend of the show, Brian Numer has some info on on black garlic. So what's what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the black garlic? Well, I think as long as you're following uh, Brian's recommendations, risky, right? The the key thing is you want to keep that fermentation to high. So we will link to the Wikipedia page, we'll link to Brian's page, and then we will also link to the NACMIF challenge study document. And in that particular document, there is a, a table five that I often look at. I look at it probably once a week, which gives the temperature minimum and maximum maxima for different foodborne pathogens. And basically, if you look at the highest maximum, that is the foodborne pathogen that will grow up to the highest temperature. It is Bacillus cereus, which will grow up to a temperature of 55 degrees C. And one of the things that Brian says in his, his document is the fermentation, the quote-unquote fermentation, because it's not really a fermentation temperature, must be 57 degrees C, 135 or above. I would agree with that. You could probably even get down as low as 55, according to the NACMIF document. But yeah, as long as you are above the, the temperature for the growth of foodborne pathogens, you are okay to make this, I guess. I mean, I guess I, I guess the question yeah. would be, are there, are there molds? Are there mycotoxigenic molds that grow at higher temperatures? I think probably not. 
Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think what what Brian has written here is is quite is quite good, and and to me, it seems to be safe. Yeah, and I've had this. Oh, um, have you? Yeah, so I had it at a, at a restaurant here in, in Raleigh. I am sure. So you know, we 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 talked about this course in the past, but about a year ago, actually a year ago, right now, Don, you and I were in Seattle, and we taught this course for some state and local regulators on HACCP and variances, where we talk about in restaurant fermentations. And this is not one I actually just sent a message to Natalie to say we should do this in the class because it's a really good one. But yeah, I had some black garlic that was at a restaurant here in, in Raleigh. And I was like, how do you got like this is a, a couple of years ago. It's like, how do you do this? And they're like, oh well we ferment it here, here, here in the kitchen. And they they used a they actually used a curing chamber ah, for mm-hmm. like meat curing where they could set humidity and temperature with a data logger to do it. They did this fully, I'm sure, outside of the the food code or variants because I sit on the statewide variants. <laughs> and you didn't review it. No, no, no. But but they it sounded very much like they were doing it um, correctly. Same, and I'm yeah. not in the you know um, that's not my not my role to like you know other say that hey you guys should get a variance for this, which is what I did. Right. But it was it was it was really like as as Deep New England said. It's a different. It's it's a subtle garlic. Like oh, yeah. it's not a. It's not strong. There isn't really. It's not got like a fermented kind of flavor to right. it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. It, it's quite quite good. And and it's. It, it was like a paste basically. Like it it had been spread. It was spreadable, and it was. It came on a charcuterie plate. It was good. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I would like yeah. to try this. This this sounds really quite good. I I actually just like I like the dark roast coffee. I like that sharp. Uh, taste of, of of fresh garlic. I don't mind it a bit, but I would. This is this looks interesting. I think I would like to try it. Yeah, and I, I like it too. But I also like a roast garlic, right? Like, I like oh yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Which, which which is what kind of what this was like, but it was a little di- a little, little, little different. It was stickier. Yeah, yeah. and and it's probably smoother. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. So, but yeah, I, I agree, Brian. Brian, uh, just shout shout out to Brian Numer. In in general, Brian has really tackled a lot of food safety questions for restaurants and and he does a lot of uh, a lot of teaching for the industry about how to do these processes safely and it's also been really instrumental in you know sort of changing the the food code as part of conference for food protection to make these processes i guess uh, safer by putting them into the framework and also help train in, inspectors and, and provide environmental health officers on this stuff and so this is this is another one that i you know it's, it's not like you know, it's not like kimchi where, where I think there's a lot more recognition of it out there. But I, I appreciate Brian doing work on this because it's it helps quite a bit. And but it, he's but, done a really good job. But but is he a food safety yep. guru, Ben? Because the website well, I mean, is it says food... it on his on his website. <laughs> and, well, and and Don, uh-huh. I just want to point out it's it's a food dash safety dot guru dot guru. <laughs> is it dot guru? Uh, Yes, he's, he's a good. He's, no, he's, he's, he's a, a good dude. guy. He's doing good work. So we we just like to rag on him a little bit. Yeah, and so this one's really like interesting. Actually, now that I look at this, oh, this would be an interesting to talk about. I should well, shout out to Noronur, who's always my go-to person on regulatory things, Veronica. So this fermentation is actually happening within the food code, right? You're gonna yeah. ferment it above your above yeah. 135 degrees. It's a heat-treated plant food. And then you're, it is, is it right? So then now all of a sudden I've got a heat treated plant food that I want to store at room temperature only if the the acidity changed. So it is, it is something that I think would need a variance. Well, it's, I don't think you need a variance to make it though, right? Just to store it. If you were going to yeah. make it and then for refrigerator freeze. Yeah. It's, it's if you want it for ambient storage. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. You'd have to. You'd have to. You'd have to check the temperature or check the pH, right? If the pH is, as Brian right. says right on his website, if the pH is less than four point two, you can you can hold it at room temperature. So so this could yep. be a within the food code fermentation. It or, could, well, yeah, quote unquote absolutely. fermentation. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. If it's, it's just hot holding, how you want it to, <laughs> it's just hot holding, then, right? It's just it's just a long, a really hot long hold. hot hold. Yeah. Well, and, cool. and I guess here's the here's the real food you know food code nerd question. Can I hot hold? Do I have to date mark something if I'm hot holding it for seven days? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I could I could do this how long? Several months. Yeah. <laughs> for a week to several months. I could yeah. do it for seven days. Anyway. Good. Yeah. Good question. Thank you, Deep New England. And and you um, know, I'm I think that's a show. <clears throat> I think that's a show. We're here we are. We did some feedback. We talked SARS CoV 2, told you about my my golf cart. And uh, we, I, I said Bill Elmutis's name wrong because it's Elmutis, <laughs> not Elmutis. So there you go. And I've already tweeted, Dodd. I don't know if this is going to be the show notes, but I just tweeted kickboxing sport of the future. Because <laughs> so, I think it's it's one of the funniest things ever. I like, I just love kickboxing sport of the future. All right. All right. That's the show. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Bye. So this is an odd. This is mine, right? You did the last one. Oh, is it? Wait. Oh, I'm no, not. I think this no, is mine. I, I think this you, is yours. You did the last one. Then it's two weeks. Now that two weeks always feels like a day and six months. <laughs> so yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So this is yours. I captured two. <laughs> I'm going to send you two show titles. Okay. I got. Four. I got. A, I got a bunch that I'll send to you. All right. All right. Here they. Here they come. Googling and giggling, and it's not, not a shoe born disease. Yeah, which which really made me laugh. Yeah, because <laughs> what made me laugh about it was like, I didn't I mention to you it's not a shoe born disease? And I'm like, no, I've never heard that before. It's great. Ah, uh, okay. So two weeks from now is Friday the seventh. Yeah, Friday the seventh. But I we can go back to Wednesday or earlier that week if we want to do like. Wednesday the fifth or yeah, Thursday the Wednesday sixth, the fifth. I have a conflict. But I, uh, how about Thursday the sixth? 
Okay, so Thursday, Thursday the 6th, I could do after, like, a little later. I have a haircut appointment. This is it. I'm getting a cut. 10 a.m. So I could do I, – I I'll be done by 11. I could go any time after 11 on the 6th. Okay, let's or do – Friday at any time. Yeah, I'm holding, I'm holding Wednesday and Friday for um, uh, the defense. How about the – could you do Tuesday the 4th? Yes, any time in the morning. All right, let's do 9 o'clock again. Perfect. The people are going to get what they want. They They're going to get more food, food safety talk. It's like paying your mortgage twice a month. Exactly, you pay it down faster. Days. Yeah, paid. We're getting more, getting more. We might have, <laughs> might have, might have twenty eight episodes this year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> FST. I always have to look. What is this? We did. Was that two fifteen? Oh, I don't remember. No, because it's an I even. Like whatever it is, it's an even one. Um, and then, do you want to? Um, we just did two fifty. That was two sixteen. Yeah. Right. Uh, so two seventeen is coming up. Do you want? So are, we have. We'll exhaust all of our food safety talk by the first week of August. Is that what, risky or, or not? not the risky or not. So do you want to also schedule some risky or not let's, time? Let's do that. Okay. Do you want to do that next week? Oh, next week's bad. Sorry. I'm going on vacation, except oh, for cool. the good, good Chinese good. panel. Oh, well, I could do so. I say that I could do after, like, and this might be no, too let's, much. Let's, on, let's right? do let's do the let's do the eleven o'clock window after your haircut. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Let's do that. Eleven o'clock window. I've got from eleven until one. That's fine. I, I one o'clock. I might have a conference call, so that's that's fine. Perfect. And we can we should be able to bang like ten episodes in that amount of time. Yeah. Eight at least. Yeah. I somehow put that on a wrong calendar. There you go. Do you, do people see your calendar? Can you, like, do you have the Google? Can, like, people at Rutgers, can they, can they, <sighs> no, the it's, it's complicated because I have the calendar that's linked to Outlook, but mm-hmm. that's not my main calendar. My main mm-hmm. calendar is only visible to my wife. And then I have the re- things that come in that I'm holding that might be a doodle that resolve a doodle, uh, a doodle meeting that resolves. And so those are there on a different color. Still, I have a whole bunch of different calendars and it would be good if they could all be one place. And I, uh, but I'm ambivalent about whether they're visible to other people or not. I kind of, I like the idea that other people can see when my calendar is available, but I don't want anybody else putting stuff on my calendar. So, and and one of the things I've been doing during this pandemic is to try to get some control is to say i'm just busy in the morning right yeah like, my mornings yeah. are busy and there's nothing on my calendar but i just just and then say you want to meet and you want to do something it's in the after unless it's a you know a thing like the COVID 19 food safety summit or a podcast right it's like i'm just busy right so if you want to you want to call a phone call or something else or uh, uh, something it's just going to get scheduled in the afternoon i like that and i've, I've also you know I've, I've mentioned this i kind of like right now we no one's setting alarms i sleep in and, and so I've, we've been getting up earlier than we have been like, you know, probably sometime around eight o'clock I'll naturally wake up, but I don't also want to jump on a phone call at like eight thirty or nine o'clock. I really want my, like, let me catch up. Let me read some stuff. Let me do some email. Let me drink some coffee. So I'm, I'm also very much like afternoon is where, where I want to be talking to people. And it's, 
I can, you know, I, I can talk later now, right? Like, it's not like I have to get home or pick a kid up or anything. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I do only have one calendar as much as I can, mainly because there's like a culture at NC State, because we're all on Google, that people will go look at your calendar to see if you're busy and ask you or try to schedule things for times that you're not busy, which is nice. So it means that I have to remember to all put everything on that one calendar. And then it's all set for, it's just blocks of time, right? So it just shows, it doesn't say what I'm doing. Right. Like, like haircuts not on there.